Welcome to the Stop Down Photography Podcast, episode 61. I'm Scott Davenport. Today's topic, the small changes we make to our photography that deliver big payoffs. Hi, welcome. Thanks for joining me. I'm glad to be back with you for another chat about photography, this passion we share. And in today's episode, let's take one more step on our never-ending journey of photography. As we grow as photographers, there are these moments on our journey, these little nexus points. They might seem small at the time, a nip here, a tweak there. Yet long term, these little course corrections deliver a big payoff. This past week has led me down a path of thinking about these small, subtle changes we make to our photography, our workflow, that down the line fundamentally change our photography for the better. Today, I'll share five of these small changes from my photographic journey and how they've impacted my overall photography for the better. If you enjoy today's podcast, please share it with a friend, share it on social media with your camera club, and if you can, please leave a rating on Apple Podcasts. Fresh current ratings help other photographers find out about the show. So I have been working on a course for On OnePlus about local adjustments and really kicked into high gear this week. If you're an On OnePlus member, you'll see this course in about a month or so. And if you don't know what a local adjustment is, uh, these are localized refinements to tone and color you make to an image. They maybe add detail to select subjects or balance and exposure, change tonality in certain areas. In Lightroom, they're the graduated radial and brush tools. In Luminar, it's local masking. In On One, it's a local adjustment. Most every processing tool has these. So I'm working on this course, and each photo is a case study that has four or five of these localized adjustments, these little tweaks that get added. And when you step back and take a look at the before and after of just these local adjustments, the improvements to the image are quite pronounced, and in some cases impressive, if I may be so bold and self-congratulatory on these photos. Well, that notion, a series of small subtle adjustments that add up to a big result. That's certainly my post-processing style, and it put me on a path of reflection. How is that maybe my photographic style? What about my photography as a whole? What are the little changes I've made over the years that have really mattered, that have had a strong positive impact on the images I create? I have a list of five for you, and these cut across capturing the photo, processing the photo, and gear. Yes, there is actually one gear item in there. And as I share these five with you, think about your own photography. See which ones overlap for you or which ones maybe you've already crossed past that particular milestone or that particular change. And hey, I'd be interested to hear from you what little changes you've made to your photography that have had a big impact. I'm always looking to improve and I'd very much like to hear your experiences. You can use the contact form on stopdownpodcast.com to reach out. Messages come directly to me. All right, here we go. First small change I've made to my photography that have led to a big result. Number one, walk the scene before planting my tripod legs. When I first started with photography, I didn't even have a tripod, but I'd rush around a scene snapping away without any real thought, and that certainly wasn't a good way to approach a scene either. But as my tripod became a staple of my photo kit, I had a tendency to plant the tripod legs 
at the first composition that caught my eye. And when the legs went down, I'd get stuck in that one place. I'd grow roots. I don't remember exactly when I made the change, but at some point, I worked into the habit of walking the scene first, before unpacking the tripod. Walk up and down a stretch of beach, hike a segment of trail, look at things from various angles, take test shots handheld. And for some of you, this might seem completely obvious in the way that you work today. For me, it was a fundamental change. It's a small change in behavior, really. It's look, then leap. And the result has been much stronger photographs and more of them. I work a subject for a few minutes handheld. I figure out what works, what camera settings feel right, what angle is best. Then, if the scene calls for a tripod, the legs come out, I know where to set up, I spend less time adjusting the ball head, the leg height, and I have more time available to capture the photos. And once they're captured, move on to a new subject. So I end up with more photos and stronger photos. Number two is a question that I ask myself when I'm working a location. What makes this place unique? This is a small question, but it's led to a big payoff in my compositions. Now, unlike the previous change I made, I remember vividly when this question became part of my repertoire. November 2013, I was in Death Valley at a location called the Devil's Golf Course. I was struggling with the composition. The sky was pleasing, a decent sunset was shaping up, and then there's this foreground, this bizarre field of hard, sun-dried salt formations, and I couldn't decide how to compose. Do I want these crusty, salty chunks of land to be prominent? Do I want the gorgeous sky? And for about 15 minutes, I'm struggling with this. I'm trying a few things. I just don't feel right about the composition. This other group of photographers that were part of a workshop arrived. They started setting up pretty nearby me as well. And I recognized their leader. It was Bill Fortney. He's a great landscape photographer. And I overheard Bill giving instruction to one of the students who was struggling with the same question I had. Bill's advice, he said, what makes this place unique? Five words. Five words that cut through all the confusion and doubt. Of course, it's the land there that made that location unique. I will not find those wild, salty, crusty, crystalline structures anywhere else on Earth. Okay, I'm biasing my composition to include the salt. And that little shift has stuck with me. Whenever I'm in doubt about a composition or I'm approaching a new scene, I ask myself, what makes this place unique? And that tends to be the stronger photograph. Number three is putting my filters in the Mindshift filter hive. Yes, a piece of gear. Uncharacteristic for me, perhaps, but dollar for dollar, this is some of the wisest money I have ever spent on photography, and I do not say that lightly. The Mindshift filter hive. This little bag has been an influential change to my fieldwork. The hive is this bag. It clips around the base of my tripod. It holds all of my filters. I have my holder, polarizers, several hundred millimeter NDs in there, as well as a few circular filters from my field video camera, space for batteries, memory cards, lens wipes, all that stuff. Now, why is this such a big deal? It puts everything I need at my fingertips. 
Once I have set my tripod down and I'm dialing in a composition, I want to focus all of my attention on making the photo. If I need a filter, a lens wipe, I need to swap a battery, I want it fast, and I don't want to have to fumble around in my camera bag to get it. Another very important thing for me is having a ground-free kit. And what I mean by that, my field workflow relies on not needing to put a bag down on the ground to get something. Why is that important? A lot of time I'm ankle, calf, knee-deep in water. There is no ground for me to put something down on. Before I started using the filter hive, I'd spend time either trudging back to dry land to root out a filter for my camera bag, or try to do that balancing act to fish out a filter or a battery out of a bag and hope I don't drop anything in the water. And yes, I've lost equipment that way. So this small bag that sits on my tripod has been a big change to my photography. And it's not the first time I've mentioned the filter hive on this podcast. I'm sure it won't be the last. And yes, there's a link in the show notes where you can go get your own filter hive. All right, halfway through the list. First one was walking a scene before planting those tripod legs. Second, ask what makes this place unique when you're working at a location. Third, putting my filters in the MindShift filter hive. Number four, rating and tagging every photo in my library. Really, Scott? Metadata? That's a big payoff for you? Yeah, it really is. Absolutely. Rating and tagging photos has been huge. Why? I have a vast library of images now. I can search, sift, slice, dice my photo library in so many ways. I can quickly find appropriate images for new projects. I can make retrospectives of my work. Making a 10 best of the year, that's a breeze. I can simply just do more with my photo library. Photos don't get lost. I can find them in multiple ways. Now, tagging is an upfront cost for sure, but I am glad I made the commitment to stick with it. Now, rating. Rating's not that bad, right? You inherently do that when you cull photos from a shoot anyway. Geotagging, that's another thing I like to do, and that's quite easy. I'll turn on a GPX track log app on my phone, and then Lightroom can auto-tag the photos later. Very little effort, very big payoff. Now, keywording, that's the heavier weight thing. And over the years, I've streamlined keywords with hierarchies and synonyms. And nowadays, there's some AI stuff out there where you can get some auto keyword tagging for free. But having done this for many years, the upfront costs are really streamlined now. And tagging a set of photos from a given shoot, it's about 10% of my workflow at that. But the benefits grow with each new batch of photos that are added to the library. So the return on that time investment is still so much bigger than spending a little time up front. And a bonus tip, rate first. You're probably doing that anyway. Like I said, you're culling, you're doing some level of rating, and then only bother tagging the photos you've marked as good. Don't waste your time on the poor photos. The end result is I have a richer, photographic experience and it's doesn't help me per se to create the next great photo but it does help me to assemble bodies of work and be able to measure how much I'm progressing and so it's like one step removed from making me a better photographer I have a different episode in the podcast about how metadata can help you improve your art I'll leave a link in the show notes and last one number five Pulling back about 5% on my post-processing sliders. So this is the post-processing end of the spectrum. 
It's a small change to the intensity at which my post-processing is done, and it's been a huge improvement to my images. When I first started to experience how much post-processing tools could change an image, I was blown away. And my tendency was to push the sliders to the limit. You know, I've got to have more contrast. I've got to have more color. It might sound familiar. You're pushing it to 11 for you Nigel Tufnell fans out there. And the problem is we get desensitized. I get used to seeing hyper-contrast, extreme detail, saturated colors, and I want more, and those sliders keep getting pushed. Somewhere along the line, I realized that the reason sliders can go to 100 is so I can see when I've gone too far. And I settled on this like 5% guideline to help rein in my processing. I get something that is looking good, and I think it looks good. I'll push it a little farther until I think, okay, I've gone too far, and then pull back about 5%, usually just a little nudge, just a little touch. It's tempered my processing and kept my photos from becoming overcooked, you know, at least for my tastes. And hey, this is art. It's all subjective. So those are five small changes I've made to my photography over the years that have had really big payoffs. Let me recap them. Number one, walk a scene before planting the tripod legs. Number two, ask, what makes this place unique? Number three, putting my filters in the MindShift filter hive. Number four, rating and tagging every photo in my library. And number five, pulling back about 5% on my post-processing sliders. Each of these changes has made a positive impact to my photography. It's moved my photography forward and the payoff just continues to keep on coming. I want to hear from you. I really want to hear your stories, the changes you've made to your photography that have been you know, seminal changes. This you know, may be a very small thing. It might have seemed small at the time. When you look back on it, like, wow, that was a key change that moved my photography forward. Please use the contact form on stopdownpodcast.com. I would love to hear from you. Thanks to the members of the Patreon community. It is your support that keeps this podcast rolling along. You keep the engine running, everything running smooth. I can't thank you enough for your continued support. I hope you've been enjoying some of the videos this month for uh, some Patreon exclusive items. As always, you've got questions, you've got my ear. If you're thinking about joining the Patreon community, check the show notes. There's a link there. You can get an idea of what's going on, what we're doing over there wonderful to have the community grow and if making a pledge is tough right now i totally get it go ahead and check the show notes anyway there are many zero cost ways that you can support the podcast and keep the train rolling and that will do it for this week i hope you enjoyed it and until next time my name's scott davenport have fun mm-hmm.